For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Matt Barrows, who covers the San Francisco 49ers for The Athletic, about, you guessed it, who the 49ers may be taking in the NFL draft just a couple of weeks away. There was speculation it would be Mac Jones. There was some speculation it would be Trey Lance. There was also speculation after last week's Pro Day that it may be Ohio State's Justin Fields. All things we can talk about, speculate, and discuss with Matt Barrows, who joins me next. It's Monday. April 19th. Always fun talking 49er football, and I guess specifically quarterbacks with Matt Barrows, who covers the Niners for the Athletic. Matt, I figured we'd kind of wait until closer to draft time to talk to you, but so much has changed as far as the quarterback discussion goes. We got to get into it right now, man. How are you? I'm doing well, yeah. Um, Quarterbacks drive this league, and I'm uh, hard-pressed to find another period of time where quarterback was such a big topic maybe 2005 when the 49ers had the the top overall pick and then when Jimmy Garoppolo got here in 2017 it was like the Beatles had come over from Europe and people were just (laughs) losing their you know what freaking out over him yeah but this could top both of those just because all the different choices Twitter is more rampant now so it's pretty exciting I run the board for uh, for the Murph and Matt show on KNBR, and I have a, a sound drop of you that I haven't played in a couple of years, but I found it the other day, and it's it's from when Jimmy got here, and it was after they went 5-0. and oh, You know, he trots on the field in Seattle and throws that touchdown to Lou Murphy in the loss, and I think you had a comment where he said, yeah, man, everybody loves Jimmy G. And I was like, boy, that was like two years ago. My, <laughs> right. how things have changed, man. It's true. I mean, it has gone full circle, and and I've certainly thought about that. Like I said, people were ecstatic about him. This guy was walking on water in 2017. This was the face of the future. What a face it was. Um, (laughs) He could ad-lib. He was everything you wanted. And now people can't wait to get rid of the guy. And I just think from a storyline point of view, which is how I basically view everything. I mean, what's the best story? A great story is that everybody is wanting to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, and then he pieces together a fantastic season and wins the Super Bowl. I mean, it would just be out-of-Hollywood type of storyline, and that's sort of the storyline I'm rooting for. Yeah, because it, it would be great for us. It'd be great for conversation. It'd be great for sports talk radio and for sports journalism. But it's funny you mention that because I'm looking at this season and, and I was just talking to some people at work about it and wondering what would have to happen for Jimmy G to stay here or is he on a clock right now anyway? Is it just a matter of days or time? And I was thinking about some of the quarterbacks that were drafted over the last few years in the first round. Like Mitch Trubisky's not even on his team anymore, right? There's quarterbacks that get drafted in the first round and they're no longer even with their organization. Carson Wentz moves on. They trade him out of Philadelphia to Indianapolis. So if the 49ers really are taking a quarterback at number three, and if he's not going to be the starter this year, and I guess that remains to be seen, is there anything short of winning a Super Bowl or winning a Super Bowl included that would make sure Jimmy Garoppolo was here beyond 2021? Yeah, I mean, the alternate to that is that whoever they pick just it shows that he's not ready. There was some talk about that in Green Bay after the Packers took a a first-round quarterback certainly wasn't that high, but that he didn't look all that good in, in training camp and this, that, and the other, and he wasn't anywhere close to taking over for Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, I mean, it, it seems as if when you move up as strongly, dramatically, as the 49ers did, the, the handwriting is on the wall, and that really the only thing, as you noted, that could, could stop that is uh, just a, a stellar season in the Super Bowl. I mean, look at, look at Alex Smith in 2012. He was well aware that the 49ers the the year earlier had taken Colin Kaepernick. That was the quarterback that Jim Harbaugh really liked. 
And um, Smith knew that, you know, he had to be near perfect to, to hold on to his job. And he was near perfect. I mean, he was having the best season of his career in 2012 when he got that concussion. And that was all it took for Kaepernick to come in and to kind of take the job. And, you know, Kaepernick had a great game. It was that Chicago Bears game on, on Monday night that sort of sealed that. But when you're the incumbent and they've taken a quarterback high, you cannot afford any sort of slip up. So slow start for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he, he was a slow starter in 2018. He was a slow starter last year. He was actually a slow starter in 2019, too. That was that game in Tampa Bay. That that game was won by the defense. Garoppolo did not have a sensational game. So we're talking about week one. He needs to be sharp or else, you know, there, there's somebody waiting in the wings to replace him. I mean, we were talking about five preseason interceptions a couple of years ago before we even knew how good the defense was. I mean, that opening week against Tampa, I want to say they had two interceptions, which matched their interception output from the entire year before. So, yeah, uh, you're right. If he comes out flat, too, yeah. yeah, if he comes out flat, then, then people are be calling for his head. So, I wonder about this because I heard you uh, on with Murph and Mac the other day and, and talking about how. Kyle is going to these pro days, right? It's been all about the Justin Fields pro day, and they made the trade from the Zach Wilson pro day, and he went to the Mac Jones pro day, and it's all about reading body language and how these guys talk to each other and how serious we should take it. How much of this is actually about Kyle getting to choose his guy, and if he does choose the wrong guy is the right term to use, but if he chooses a guy that ends up not being what the 49ers needed or, or panning out the way they'd hoped, what does that mean for him, and, and, and what does that mean for, the, for his future with the 49ers? This is a huge decision. He's making this decision. He's, he's going to get a lot of input from, you know, John Lynch and Adam Peters and, and Mike Shanahan and Rich Scangarello uh, ha- has a lot of sway, I think, in, in this discussion. But this is Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's choice. It's a huge one. Now, uh, you know, he gets a little bit of leeway because maybe it'll take a, a couple of years for us to to figure out whether the choice was the right choice. But not only is it picking a guy who can run his offense and, and get wins for you, but you've got to be wary of the guy that you overlooked, the guy that you didn't take becoming a superstar elsewhere too. That's what happened in 2017 with, uh, with Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. They were not really interested in a quarterback then, and then two of those guys got really good. And that, that sort of goes back to this Shanahan point. He's used different numbers when he's talked about this, but he said on several occasions that there are half a dozen guys in the NFL at any given point that are elite, and uh, those guys are hard to find. And if you don't have one of those guys, then you just need to find somebody who's going to run your offense efficiently and not make a lot of mistakes. Well, that's true, but in, in having sort of that pessimistic viewpoint that, oh, those guys are so difficult to find, maybe it's not even worth you know, searching high and low for for them, he let at least one of those guys in Mahomes slip through his fingers. Now, a lot of teams did, so you, you can't really get mad at him, but you need to have that, I don't know what, what it is, optimism that you can find that guy or you can develop that guy. And maybe Trey Lance, for example, isn't a superstar right away, but that's what the coaching staff's for. That's why you have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. You've got time to develop these guys. So if you see the raw materials there, that's sort of my take. You should take the time and have the uh, the optimism to try to turn him into one of those six, seven, eight superstars that are in the league at any given moment. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
revisionist history when you look at the Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes thing. Like it's it's also a little bit more painful when one of those guys beat you in a Super Bowl, right? After maybe you think you have your QB. Yeah, that's a bit of an exclamation point on the uh, on the overlook. <laughs> sort of bang you over the head on it. I'm wondering about the pro day thing. Like, uh, I think you were saying that Kyle doesn't go to a lot of these things in recent years, but they hadn't been looking for a quarterback in the past. So I wonder, it's sort of like the combine or, you know, you think about a, a hitter in the cage. You say, man, that guy's really hitting the ball well. He's not really being defended. Do they learn anything at these pro days? Is is there anybody who can really make or break their case because of a pro day? It's a great question. And I, and I think the answer is no. I think it's, it's the film that is uh, very much the the overriding factor, and especially for Kyle Shanahan, because that's what he's leaned on in the past, and, and he hasn't gone to these pro days. And this year is a little different. I will say that the 49ers really have a big advantage with the move that they made, because we pretty much know who's going one and two. And now you've got the guys who are in the three, four, and five spots really sort of tripping all over themselves to accommodate the 49ers. And not only that, but as I wrote the other day, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan knows John Beck, knows a couple of the guys that are are working with Trey Lance and and Justin Fields, and he's on the phone with them. And he's basically, there are no private workouts this year. So the type of workout where Kyle Shanahan would meet a Trey Lance and and have him make, you know, 45 throws and, and kind of tell him what to do. This is what Jim Harbaugh and Greg Roman did with Colin Kaepernick, for example. They went to Reno back in 2011 and had like a long workout with him and and basically were able to kind of dictate everything. They're not able to do that this year, but this is the closest any team in the league is getting to being able to do that. So they have an advantage over those other teams. Like I said, those three quarterbacks, Mac Jones, Justin Field, Trey Lance, are doing whatever they can, whatever is possible to make themselves attractive to Kyle Shanahan, which is basically running his offense or running plays that he runs in his offense. That's what they're doing at this pro day. So to answer your question directly, yeah, uh, Shanahan can look at it and basically see, envision the guy in his offense because he's running his plays. And he's running his plays because these guys want to be drafted third. And he really knows well the guy who's training with uh, these quarterbacks, John Beck. One other thing here before I let you leave. It's funny. You mentioned that we know who's going one and two. We know Trevor Lawrence is going one. And the assumption is that Zach Wilson's going two. What happens if the Jets go, you know what? We actually like Justin Fields more, and, and this has been a smokescreen, and we actually aren't taking Zach Wilson. And I don't know that you do that intentionally just to screw anybody, especially since you're at number two, but this did happen with the Bears and the Niners a couple of years ago, right? The Bears jumped the Niners to take Mitch Trubisky, and the Niners didn't take him. You know, the Niners weren't really in the market for that. What happens then? Do you think that really throws the Niners for a loop? Do they have a backup plan? Would they move back after that? I'm just wondering, just if we're wrong about this and it's not Zach Wilson at two, what happens with the Niners? Yeah, I think they take Zach Wilson. And yes, I think they've got a backup plan. I mean, this is what these guys are doing right now. They are going through every scenario that will have it all you know, charted out. They'll have it all memorized. Um, it, it'll be instinctive at that point. They'll know what to do. Now, I don't know whether it's, it's Zach Wilson. I suspect it is, but they will definitely have a plan. Maybe they've fallen in love with Mac Jones, like a lot of high-profile reporters have said, or maybe they really like uh, Trey Lance's long-term potential, which is what I think that they might end up doing. So if Justin Fields goes two, maybe they the 49ers stick to their original plan and go Jones three or, or Lance three.
it's funny because you hear all the speculation and because they went to the two pro days or like, oh, they love Mac Jones or they love Justin Fields. And it seems like in this regime, there haven't been a whole lot of leaks, right? It seemed like there was a bunch of leaks in the building before this. But where are people getting this information? Or Kyle's not calling up people and saying, yeah, actually, we're leaning this way now. So where does this stuff come from? Guys like Schefter and, and uh, Chris Sims, it, is it speculation? Do they actually have some insight? Does it have to do with these pro days or these workouts that are happening with extra quarterback coaches? Where does this stuff come from, Matt? I think some of it is speculation. I think some of it is agent-driven. I know just from observation over the last, how long have I been doing this, 20 years, that certain reporters get their information from certain agents. I mean, you just see that the pattern, it builds. And I think there's some of that going on right now when you look at who's kind of putting it out there. But the fact of the matter is that the agents also know exactly who their client has spoken with they know the level of interest, really. So that's it's, it's an educated guess at that point. Now, now, the 49ers could definitely be, you know, pulling some chicanery here. They did that in 2017. I mean, to my knowledge, Mitch Trubisky is the one quarterback workout that Kyle Shanahan did. Was Kyle Shanahan interested in Mitch Trubisky, or were they interested in making the Bears think that they were interested in, in Mitch Trubisky? So, They do do some gamesmanship, I think. So I think that bottom line means that we really don't know what they're thinking at this point. And they're obviously not forecasting it. And because if they did really want Jones, why would they have gone out to the the Fields Pro Day? Why would they go to North Dakota, Fargo, in the middle of April to watch Trey Lance work out? So I think that it's still up in the air. I think there's still room for movement. Like I said, you also have to really look and kind of take to heart. I know a lot of people just want to dismiss it because they don't like the player, Mac Jones. But when you have an Adam Schefter, when you have a Chris Mortensen, when you have those types of reporters reporting it, there's a reason for it. So that's probably still the leader in the clubhouse. You mentioned, why would you go to Fargo? Coen Brothers fans, maybe? I don't know. Are you a, are you a Fargo guy, Matt? Oh, yeah. Uh, big Coen Brothers fans. Uh, love that movie. <laughs> I like watching it on TV from yeah. my you know 71-degree controlled yeah. environment. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I would, I'm would. i champing at the bit to go up there. Uh, and I guess that was your accomplice in the wood chipper. One of my all-time favorite lines. But for a little bit of money. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the time, man. Uh, and I, I'm sure we'll, we'll flip-flop and change minds multiple times between now and then. Just, just have on record were you saying you think it might be trey lance at three i'm saying that's what matt barrows would do at three now (laughs) matt barrows doesn't really know what he's doing so uh take that to heart too but that's sort of the mindset i would take this guy looks like the best long-term fit and you've got a little bit of leeway i mean he doesn't have to be the starter in week one so why don't you develop him good stuff matt we'll catch up with you closer to draft time again man and i appreciate it today thanks man All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later, Adam. All right, great stuff from Matt. And yeah, the, the speculation is rampant in the NFL. Quarterbacks drive the league, they drive the discussion, and the 49ers, boy, they better be right on the guy that they picked this year. They cannot afford to end up with a situation like they did a couple of years ago that Matt was talking about where they passed on both a Deshaun Watson and on Patrick Mahomes. So if they can get that defense healthy this year, maybe the quarterback won't be the focal point like it wasn't a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. 
Thank you to Matt. Thank you to Brian. And thank you to you, the listeners. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Plenty more coming up, and we will continue the football discussion a little bit later next week as we get closer to the draft. Also, have to talk about what's going on with the Raiders and plenty more baseball to talk about this week as the Giants and Gabe Kapler head out to Philadelphia. First time Gabe Kapler's going back to Philly since he was uh, fired as manager of the Phillies just a couple of years ago. All things we'll continue to discuss, but until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Thank you.